Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. True joy was actually only found in the presence of the Father. And here John will remind us that as we walk in obedience, joy is going to be present within our lives. It's a fruit of the Spirit within the life of a believer. Joy happens in our lives whenever certain events, yeah, delight our soul, absolutely. But here John tells us, that the things he is writing to us, the instruction he gives to the church, are things which will bring about the fullness of joy in our life. How often do you seek happiness in any form, hoping to fill that need for joy deep in your soul? Pastor David explains the difference between true abiding joy and temporary earthly happiness. Happiness will eventually run out, but joy is eternal. People try to fill the void in their soul with meaningless moments of pleasure, but this false joy disappears when life gets difficult. When you have the joy of the Lord, you can rejoice even when persecuted. The Holy Spirit will fill you with all joy as you walk in fellowship with God. Now here's Pastor David in the book of 1 John chapter 1 as he continues his message, Do I Have a Witness? personal relationship. We, as the Jews, have a relationship with God. And so again, what you and I, individualistic Americans, hey, every man for himself, totally different concept than what the Jews live under. The Jews live under a full understanding of feeling just that concept of community. And that's why, again, in in witnessing and sharing the faith with a Jew, it's a hard time for them to get over that hump of that God loves you personally, individually. He cares for you. Christ died for your sins individually. And that's what we need to recognize. But again, that whole idea of koinonia, community. Koinonia was the idea of sharing in, participating in. And for the Greeks, koinonia was the supreme expression of friendship. I've got koinonia with this brother. Man, that's how tight our friendship is. We have community together. We use the phrase today, I believe, hey, uh, live life together. We want to live life together. I'm not talking about, you know, shacking up with each other. I'm talking about, you know, as as friends, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Man, we're going to live life together. We're going to walk through the journey of life. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to pray with each other. We're going to care for each other. That kind of an idea. Koinonia, that supreme expression of friendship. The idea of being in common union even through joint citizenry. See, if you are a Greek, you are a great part of a great whole. And again, you don't just separate yourself from that. Again, 
We in the United States, we're so divided right now in this season of our nation's history. We have absolutely no idea about that. But in the Greek culture, if you were Greek, you were my brother. I'm going to defend you in any way that I possibly can. If you're a citizen, there was that powerful bond between you and any other citizen in that culture. And throughout the culture, Koinonia showed that common union in life, that partnership in work and brotherhood, even in religious life. So all of these things coming together with Koinonia. For the Jew... Cornelia was primarily left on the the human level. The idea that with that movement within their lives, again, that's how they used that word. They used other words in relationship to their relationship with God. John's writings here and in the gospel account, again, is with more the Greek uh, mindset, even more so than the Jew. Because here in 1 John, he invites his readers to embrace both the Jewish concept, fellowship coming together on this level, but also the Greek thought that was fellowship here as well as with God the Father, with his son, Jesus Christ. And as we'll read later in the chapter and throughout this epistle, when that happens... When we come to faith, when we begin to walk in truth, when we walk in obedience and in faith, that's when we'll begin to experience the fullness of joy. These things we write to you that your joy might be full. We want you to have fellowship, fellowship with us, fellowship with God the Father, fellowship with God the Son, in order that your joy might be full. He tells us clearly there, I'm writing these things to you. Because I want your joy to be full. Joy in the Lord is something that every believer desires. But you know what? Unfortunately, all too few truly experience that. Even as believers. I talk to individuals, man. They're overwhelmed with life. They're overwhelmed with relationships. There's no joy in their life. But the fact is, there's all too many believers that walk around that way, not in the joy of the Lord. And the real reason they don't walk in the joy of the Lord is because I don't believe that they're really experiencing it. Notice John doesn't say, we write to you that you can obtain joy. No. He says, we write to you that your joy might be full. There is this inferred understanding that you and I, as believers, would have joy. He's writing so that our joy might be full or complete or accomplished within our lives. Beloved, the fact is, joy for the believer is both a feeling and an action. A feeling and an action. I want to look at these real quick, and I'll start with actually the second one first. Joy being an action. Do you realize that we are commanded by God's word to have joy? You are commanded to have joy, regardless of how we feel. When the psalmist declared in Psalm 518, rejoice in the wife of your youth, as long as you guys are getting together? No, that's not what he said. No, rejoice. In the wife of your youth. It's a command. 
It's a word that says, no, you need to do that. And yeah, ladies, I do believe it goes both ways. Rejoice in the man of your youth, the husband of your youth. The psalmist didn't list any caveats or stipulations there. He didn't have to ask, what kind of wife do you have? How's she been treating you lately? Well, okay, man, you can rejoice in her. Sorry about you with your situation, but you need to rejoice in what you got. No, he simply said, we are to rejoice in the wife of our youth. How about the words of Jesus himself when he told us to rejoice even when we're persecuted? That's a command. That's an action we have to take. Well, if you want me to rejoice, give me joy. No, he says, rejoice when you are persecuted. And you know what? Persecution, when it comes, it doesn't come along with a big helping of joy on the side. You and I need to BYOJ, bring our own joy, bring your own joy. When we have the joy of the Lord abiding in us, that's when persecution comes, that I can rejoice even through persecution. Even the apostle Paul reminds us, rejoice in the Lord when all things are going your way. Is that what it says? No. We are told rejoice in the Lord always. And then he repeats it. And again, I say, Rejoice. He repeats it to remind us, hey, I I just told you. Remember, I said, rejoice. And again, no stipulations. No, no thing. Well, unless you're having a really bad day or unless there's persecution. No, Jesus said, rejoice even when you're persecuted. Even James tells us, my brethren, and I, I hate this verse, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now, you know I say that tongue-in-cheek, right? Somebody's going to tell me later, well, you know, you shouldn't hate the Bible. You know, every verse is inspired. I know that every verse is inspired. There's some mindsets done. Sometimes it's count it all joy when you fall into various trials. That's something I've got to do. You've got to do. I don't want to do that. Well, there's a lot of things that God tells me to do that I don't want to do. That's just my ugly nature. But in obedience and in discipline of my life, the Lord said, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Rejoice when you're persecuted for my sake. Okay, Lord, in this situation, I want to live in joy. I don't want my circumstances around me to control my life. I want your spirit to control my life. That's the only way that's going to happen. Because, beloved, let's face it, we run into some really bad situations in life. We run into things within our life that, again, just take us to the very core of who we are. And outside of that joy of the Lord within our lives, and us being then able to act upon that, we'd have no hope. How can I count it all joy? How can I rejoice when I'm persecuted? How can I rejoice in the Lord always? Do you remember where does joy come from? Joy is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Remember Galatians 5. 
Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit that should be in every one of our lives. If I took a survey of you tonight, every one of you who know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're trusting in him for your salvation and the forgiveness of your sin, and then I go up to you and I start inspecting your fruit. Okay, where's the long-suffering? Whatever happened to the gentleness? Where's the, Well, if the Spirit of God is abiding in us, that's the fruit of that spirit. The problem is, is some of that fruit isn't very well nourished in some of our lives. We're not nourishing it with times of prayer. We're not nourishing it with, by being in the word. We're not nourishing it by choosing right over wrong, walking in obedience instead of disobedience. All of those things, again, strengthen the spirit of God within us in order that the fruit of the spirit might really be seen within our lives. You see, as a believer, we have the joy through the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's made evident in our lives only when we are walking in the Spirit and not in the flesh. We need to move in joy as we move and we live in obedience to the Spirit. And John tells us here in 1 John, these things I'm writing to you here, this whole book I'm writing, and there's a lot of things in these five short chapters, but there's a lot of things that speak to you and I on how we ought to live. And John says, I'm writing to you how you ought to live as a believer in order that your joy could be full. Because he doesn't want you and I or the church to walk around beat up and moping and and just pushed to and fro by all the impact of the circumstances of life. He wants us in the process of all things of life to be able to stand. Stand victorious and to stand in the fullness of joy. As I said earlier, joy also is an inner feeling. It, it, It... comes to us when things do go in our faith. When suddenly, hey, man, that, that was right. Yeah, uh, you feel joy. And well, some say, well, that's just happiness. Well, there is a, a little bit of overlay in both of us. We know that happiness is very temporal. It only has, but joy in us can sometimes almost lay dormant within our lives, especially when we're going through hard things. And then all of a sudden we get a good report. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, bless you, Lord. Thank you. That's when the joy of the Lord comes up. More than just mere happiness. Joy is deep in the soul. And yes, it can come to the surface quickly when those external things allow it to rise up in our life. But you know what? We also need to choose it. We need to choose joy. Jesus told us the the shepherd experienced joy when he found the lost sheep. Man, that was a good thing. I lost one of my sheep. Man, I'm excited. Whenever the multitude saw that that woman who had been bound for 18 years was loosed by the power of Jesus, the multitude rejoiced. Man, that wasn't just happy. No, they rejoiced with her. 
After Jesus rose from the dead, after he ascended to the Father, the disciples themselves, it says, man, they went back to Jerusalem with great joy. They had great joy. Oh, man, we see the end run of this thing. We were so bummed when Jesus was in the grave. We were so in despair. Then he rose from the grave, and that was exciting. We had joy there, but now they spent some time with him, and he shared with him, man, you know, hey, don't forget, I'm going to come back again. And as he ascended in heaven, they went back to Jerusalem again with exceeding great joy. And on and on we could go. You get the idea. Some of it, yeah, events happen within our life that looses that joy of the Spirit within us. But then there's other times that, beloved, we just need to choose joy in the midst of the experience. One last thing about the feeling of joy. The emotion of true joy cannot be manufactured and it can't be forced. Not true joy. Uh, When the Jewish exiles were in Babylon, if you remember during that time, their captors came to them and they said, hey, sing us a song of Zion. You You guys used to be really musical. You used to be really up, man. You're sitting around here moping. I want you to get up, sing us a song. The Babylonians came to them and said, sing us a song. And the Jew says, we can't. Take your Bibles, turn back to the book of Psalms 137, Psalm 137. Song in reference to their Babylonian captivity. The psalmist writes there, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. We hung our harps upon the willows in the midst of it. For there, those who carried us away captive asked us for a song. And those who plundered us requested mirth, saying, oh, sing to us one of the songs of Zion. Verse four, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Verse five, if I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. If I do not remember you, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not exalt Jerusalem above my chief joy. I, I can't sing that song. With everything that's going on right now, Oh, I know the Lord's got his hand on this, but I'm, I'm not going to sing. So it's like when you go and, you know, you visit someone who's, who's lost someone, who someone's passed away. You don't go in there with, hey, man, you, you need to just rejoice. No, man, there is a time, just as Solomon told us in Ecclesiastes, there is a time for sorrow. There is a time for mourning. You don't go in there like that. And you come and you sit with them. They couldn't sing a song of joy because of all that they were going through at that point in that time. And you don't want to manufacture that, and that's what I'm trying to say here. But there's another quick lesson, even from this psalm. Again, looking back up at verse 4, how shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? And I really think this is the heart, even of what John is telling us here in 1 John Chapter 1, verse 4. So verse 4 of 137, Psalm 137, and verse 4 of 1 John 1. And what do I mean? Well, sometimes that idea, how can I sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Sometimes you and I as believers, we're just taken captive by the trickery and by the deceit of the enemy. Sometimes when we're held in his control, Our joy 
is just not going to be felt in that condition. We're just being beat up, and I understand that. If we determine ourselves, even in our own lives, by the choices that we make, to go ahead and walk into the land of the enemy and partake of the delicacies that the enemy has before us, the joy of the Lord is not going to be present with us. As a matter of fact, our joy is being squandered away by the lies of the enemy. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? I don't think we can sing the Lord's song in a foreign land. I think what John is trying to tell us here is when we're walking in the presence of the Lord and in his good pleasure. I think that as John writes to us further on in this book, he's going to say, man, really and truly, when we are walking in obedience, when these things are real in our lives, that's why I'm writing you so that your joy might be full. If you're obedient to this word, your joy is going to grow and it's going to blossom in your life. This is where we can truly and fully rejoice with that joy inexpressible and full of glory that Peter tells us about. One last thing. Happiness is not a sufficient substitute for joy. There's a lot of times within the world, they try to fill the void of joy in their life by stuffing themselves with times of happiness. And I'm going to go do this because that makes me happy. I'm going to go do this and makes me happy. Just stuffing themselves with happiness. But when happiness runs out, and it will, because happiness is sporadic, happiness is temporary. Remember, the prodigal son walked away from the joy that was available to him by simply living in obedience in the presence of the Father. If he would have stayed there, and if he said no to his, his fleshly desires and to his desires to walk away from everything that the father had, he could have experienced joy. But instead of that, he sold all of that away in order that he might be able to obtain some kind of temporary happiness, some temporary earthly pleasure. And so not only did he run out of happiness, but he also had no joy to fall back on. He thought that he would have completeness, but it was only temporary. True joy was actually only found in the presence of the Father. And here John will remind us that as we walk in obedience, joy is going to be present within our lives. It's a fruit of the Spirit within the life of a believer. Joy happens in our lives whenever certain events, yeah, delight our soul, absolutely. But here, John tells us that the things he is writing to us, the instruction he gives to the church, are things which will bring about the fullness of joy in our lives. It's a hard book. But whoever said that Christianity was for the weak? That's why we've got to die daily. And for some of you like me, you've got to die like hour by hour, moment by moment. But I also know that when I die to myself, that's when I really live. Open our hearts, 
Pastor David has been studying three letters from the Apostle John here on The Open Word, aptly named 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. Each one reminds you who Jesus is, why you should follow Him, and how that's accomplished. You can learn from these letters and grow in your faith just the same as the first readers did. And if you're new to the Bible and to Jesus, you can learn all about the man who can save you. Jesus is the Son of God who came to earth to die for your sins. He loves you more than you can comprehend, and He wants you to be free from what's holding you back. If you want to take that next step and begin a relationship with Jesus, we'd like you to know that here at The Open Word, we support you and we're praying for you. If you still have some questions, please give us a call at 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. We'd also like to encourage you to find and begin regularly attending a church in your area. If you live in Casa Grande, we'd love for you to come visit us. Here's Pastor David with more information. Thanks, Chris. Yes, I'd love to meet you. So please come join us this weekend for a time of worship and Bible study here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande. You can expect to meet some friendly people and learn more about your Savior. Directions and more info can be found at theopenword.com. Just click on the Calvary Chapel link at the bottom of the page. I'm excited to meet you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. Make us more.